I'm Mitch. I'm Keith. And this is the Layman's Term Show. The Layman's Term Show, where a couple lay people, not, not clergy, clergy, talk about where life and faith intersect and have some fun conversations. And we are here again on Layman's Term Podcast and Show, and we have special guest today. Special guest. Dustin Buell. Dustin, you got really close to not making the cut for this podcast. You did yes. attend, uh, what's your university? You're wearing your shirt? I am, yeah, Asbury University. Yeah, yeah but yeah. you did not attend the Theological Seminary. That is true. That's true. If you would have... Lexington Avenue is a wide divide between Asbury University and Asbury Seminary. So you 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 narrowly missed um, being banned from the show. Yeah, I was going to say, is he still considered a layman? Yeah, very much so. Okay, all right. He's he's as layman as you and he's, I. He's as lame as us. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but he did bring yep. with him yep. um, for all our podcast listeners that don't um, uh, it, it, take in the full grandeur of the show via the YouTube channel. Um, you, you miss out on our bobblehead collection that's growing uh, for the show. Dustin uh, brought in his bobbleheads. You care to tell us about your bobbleheads, Dustin? Sure. You know, I'm kind of a Methodist history nerd, and I have two bobbleheads. These are the only two bobbleheads that I own. But one of them is John Wesley, uh, founder of the Methodist movement, and the other is Francis Asbury, who was one of the first two bishops in what would become the United States um, when he was sent originally sent over to be a circuit rider before the Revolutionary War and then stayed um, and was later elevated to bishop. So, My favorite Francis Asbury fact is yeah. that his face was actually recognized by more people during the American Revolution than George Washington's face was. Oh, really? Of course, everybody knew who George Washington was, but in a time where there weren't even pictures in mm -hmm. newspapers, uh, many people had only read about George Washington but not met him in person. And because Francis Asbury was continually traveling an entire circuit through all 13 colonies, he had met more um, of the colonists than George Washington ever did. So more people knew what Francis Asbury looked like during the Revolution than what George Washington looked like. Wow. Wow. I think we could end the show there. And that's it. Thanks for joining <laughs> no, we us. we won't. Come on, stick around. Useless facts that no one else needs to know. <laughs> Fascinating. So you're saying the quarter was not around during the Revolutionary War. It was not. Fascinating. Not the that quarter seat? wasn't around? How did they pay this, for things? I don't understand. <laughs> Millicents, I do believe. <laughs> Millicents, little mills, little plastic mills. <laughs> well, we are uh, we are going to talk about um, confirmation. Yeah, and, and that's why and, we have our uh, man Dustin here. Yeah, so um, we're going to talk about the whole the whole kind of concept of confirmation and what does it mean, um, and we're going to kind of dive into kind of dive into some of that. Um, today, so um, Dustin, if you had to, if you had to describe confirmation in one sentence, short sentence, what would it be? Yeah, confirmation is the process that the United Methodist Church has set up for our students to be able to explore their faith in a more in-depth um, setting, and then to make that personal decision to follow Christ and join the church as adult members of the church once the confirmation experience is finished. Yeah, perfect. So, um, you know, you kind of get to you kind of get to an age where you can kind of make the decision 
for yourself to, to follow, to follow Christ. And it's kind of, um, that process of learning a little bit and making that, that decision. So what, what age range are we usually talking about there? Yeah. So in the United Methodist book of discipline, the age range for confirmation is left to the discretion of the local pastor at a church. Um, Ah, I did not know that. Yeah. And so that, that could essentially range anywhere from like fourth or fifth grade all the way up to seniors in high school. Mm. Most churches do that sometime in middle school or junior high. Um, our church, for the last several years at least, has chosen to do confirmation with our eighth grade students. Mm. Um, and so once they reach the eighth grade, we'll invite them to be a part of that process. Um, and then if any older students either moved into our church mm-hmm. later or have just um, started to explore their faith and didn't go through confirmation with their own class, they're also invited to be a part of that process as well. So in this year's class, we actually have one eighth grader, two ninth graders, and one sophomore. So it's a little oh, wow. bit wider variety. But in general, here at First United Methodist Church in Kearney, we invite the eighth grade class to participate in confirmation. Okay. Wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So would there be an age uh, limit? Uh, There is, yes. Um, Once you're out of high school, we would – there are different options to go ahead and join the church as an adult member that way. Okay. Um, We do tacos cone pastor here at our church to to bring people in that way. Um, But this is for those that are still in high school and younger. Breakfast tacos on this next round. I'll have to let you know how that goes. I've heard of breakfast burritos. Breakfast breakfast tacos is a new one. Yeah, is it going to be like a hard shell taco? I needed to stick with the tacos cone pastor thing, Mm -hmm. you know, um, which – uh, as we added, right, is tacos with pastors, which I think is a fun play on words because tacos all pastors is is, uh, is a pork with some pineapple and it's quite delectable. Well, <laughs> it's my favorite um, tacos at, to order at the restaurant. Um, and now I have to really cognitively not. You've replaced what automatically comes to the top it, of your correct. mind. Yeah. So anyway, I just about slept up and ordered some tacos coming back. <laughs> but I didn't. I'm sure it will happen. <laughs> will they just stare at you funny? Or you Probably. Think they'll, they think they'll they'll just figure out what you want. Yeah, they'll just they'll know. They'll, <laughs> they'll know. They'll know. They're like Gringo. This guy. This guy. <laughs> if the Christmas vacation quote, if they know your father, they'll think nothing of it. And I think that. Thought goes through my mind often. They know me. They'll think nothing of it. But just carry on. So, if you want me to dive a little bit deeper into an explanation of confirmation, um, during we at our church, we begin the first week of November, um, and we run that program once a week until the Sunday after Easter. Um, so it ends up being about a half-year program, or at least a half-school-year program for our students that way. Um, during that time, we explore things from church history to United Methodist theology to um, personal disciplines to help our faith grow um, outside of the church building. And so it's a great opportunity to cover a lot of ground, but in a little bit more depth than we're able to do just in our normal Sunday night youth group setting with kids coming in all across the spectrum of faith experience. Um, This gives us a little bit more of an intentional place to dive into those conversations at a deeper level. We we take a few trips during confirmation. Um, One of the one of the things that often is true for confirmands as they come in is that they haven't been on a lot of our impact trips before. And mm, so I build mm. in one, at least one fun experience to, so that they can learn, hey, this is, this is cool. This isn't scary. So we do an overnight up to Des Moines for um, the uh, Winter Jam concert. 
um, so that they can kind of see some Christian artists that way. And then we also take a trip to St. Louis for our faith history exploration trip. Um, we begin on Friday night with a Shabbat service at a Jewish synagogue. The next morning we go to Mass at the Cathedral Basilica to start to trace some of those roots of our Christian mm-hmm. faith from its Hebrew beginnings into um, the Catholic Church. We also go visit a Greek Orthodox Church. Um, and then on the way home, we stop at the Missouri United Methodist Conference office um, so that we can talk a little bit about the bishop and the way that um, church politics and church bureaucracy works that way. Um, and so it, it ends up being um, a really, really cool experience for our students to be able to not just talk about church history and draw on a whiteboard, but kind yeah. of see and smell and experience what that looks like um, to have, have that greater understanding. Yeah, kind of kind, kind of um, connecting the dots between some of the, um, I guess you could say, more ritualistic or mm-hmm. or liturgical portions of the the different churches and being able to see how it how it relates. I'd like to apologize for my podcast co-host who didn't mute his phone. Oh, I did. That's what I was showing you. No, I know <laughs> you didn't. I mean, I obviously, it. it's. No. I mean, we heard it. I know. But Everybody I want, heard what's it. What's up with that? What's the little red line? All I can tell you is that when my Android is muted, it doesn't make any noise. So yeah, well, when this my is iPhone <laughs> and my watch are muted, they don't they don't make noise. They they vibrates a little bit, but that's it. It doesn't go on a full ring. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> so I apologize for that, but I am. Super fascinated that we are able to, uh, like, I don't even feel like we need to get back on any sort of topic. I'm just so pleasantly pleased to have Dustin here and bring some legitimacy to the show. Yeah. If that's what you're looking some for. Some knowledge, me, at least. You're in trouble. Some, like, real knowledge. Real knowledge. Versus assumptions and conjecture on our part. <laughs> Your part, mainly. <laughs> Definitely, definitely on. The more Dustin talks, the less I have to untalk and backtalk and talk back stuff. Keith says, and and remember words. Yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um. So, uh, now when when the when the when the confirmands when the people that are going through confirmation. Then they they end confirmation. They enter into membership with the church, right? Yeah. So uh, just get your perspective. I think we have our perspective on it. But to you, what is what is the membership? What does that mean when you become a member of a church? Well, one of the things I talk about with our students is that when they join the church at the end of confirmation, if if that is the last step they take in their faith with Christ, I have failed as their confirmation teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, becoming a church member is not the end goal. It's to help set up a life of continued growth. Um, John Wesley teaches that we can reach a point of Christian perfection, or at least that we should strive towards that. He doesn't mean that we're sinless or that we're never going to sin. He talks about reaching Christian perfection and being perfect in love and the way that we treat others. Um, and so that's that's a lifelong continuous continuous pursuit. And so when they join the church, there are some practical things that means that um, they get to vote on any major church decisions. Sure. Uh, they can serve on church councils and church boards when we need members that way. We treat them as adult members of the church. And so from that standpoint, um, it's a great opportunity to get some of our students more involved in leadership capacities than they've been before. But we talk about um, the confirmation vows that they take as part of confirmation. They're the same vows that any person who's being baptized in the United Methodist Church takes. 
um, or takes on behalf of their child mm-hmm. if they're if they're baptized as a baby. And the same vows that an adult member takes when they join the church as well. And part of that is we ask them, will you support the ministries of this church with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? And so we can dive a lot deeper into any of that, but that means not just showing up on Sunday mornings. That That is part of the presence aspect of supporting the church that way, but it's also praying for the other church members, praying for our church leadership, praying for the different ministries that we do within our community. Um, we talk about the gifts that, that God has given each of our individual members of our congregation, you, me, our students alike, um, and how they can use those. We've got one of our high school juniors um, who helps you run slides mm-hmm. um, every Sunday morning because that's a gift and a passion that he's given. And so we lift up examples like that with our confirmation students to say, what is it that you enjoy? What is it that you're good at? And how can you use that to serve God and serve the church? Um, we talk about some of the various ministries like our Love Haiti or Love KC programs um, in serving others and the importance of living out our faith in a tangible way um, and not just something that we say aloud. Um, and then one of the one of the big ones to me, which is kind of interesting as well, is the witness piece of it. Mm. When the United Methodist denomination was formed in 1968, those those membership vows were written down. And so they're in our church, church hymnal. That's what everybody who has joined the Methodist church has said since that time. But in 2008, our denomination added a fifth part of that vow. Um, We support the ministers of this church with your witness. It isn't that um, any of those first four preclude us from sharing our faith and making new disciples, as Jesus calls us to in the the Great Commission, but the United Methodist Church wanted to be more intentional about asking us to think about our faith in ways that does make disciples and reaches out to other people beyond the walls of our church. And so um, ever since 2008, that um, that fifth... tenant witness has been a part of what we do. And so that's really um, fun for me to get our students to start thinking about um, the intentional ways that they talk about, the intentional ways that they point others towards Christ. I mentioned earlier that we go to do our uh, church history exploration trip in St. Louis. And one of the reasons I like to take our students to the Greek Orthodox churches. If you've ever been in a Greek Orthodox church before, it is an entirely sensory experience. Um, There's the incense burning, so you smell that. But the first thing that the students always notice is that essentially every square inch of the sanctuary is covered with paintings or with um, stained glass windows or depending on where the church, uh, which specific church you're visiting, um, depending on how they've decorated it, could be different media formats. But those are more than just paintings. They call them icons. And the mm. history of that is that um, they're not necessarily just individual people. It's a scene from the Bible. Mm. Um, and that comes from a time when most of the congregation was illiterate. Mm-hmm. I think oftentimes as Christians, we have this almost innate, or at least we've heard from other people, knowledge that we're supposed to read the Bible, but we don't always know what to do with that. Mm. But at a time before people could read... Um, it was really important to find ways to translate or to to present the gospel in a way that people could understand. And so those very intentionally designed pictures were put up so that as a priest was talking, he could point to different aspects of a story to share that with the people in the congregation. And then that that builds on conversations that we have with our students to get them thinking about what tools, what ways am I making my faith accessible to other people so that if somebody never picks up a Bible to read, how are they going to know who Jesus is? How are they going to know what it means to follow um, a God that, that comes to earth as a human and um, is willing to forgive us? And so we, we talk about that witness aspect all throughout the confirmation experience. 
And that's fascinating that that was that conversation only has gotten has been added in 2008, you said? 2008 is when that was added. Learning yeah. new things well, it all the time. It isn't that we weren't supposed to make disciples before. Correct. That's, that's baked right in there. But the emphasis on... Emphasis. Uh, Explicitly... On that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was added in 2008. So. Mind blown. I mean, man, this man. is... I think he should be a permanent fixture on the show. <laughs> He can correct us when when I'm wrong. Oh, I was just thinking he'd have my spot. <laughs> you guys do a great job. You don't need me messing um, that up from week to week. Yeah, so I want to I want to backtrack uh, a little yeah. bit, and um, so you know along along the lines of of membership, um, I think it's kind of a general consensus between us that uh, really, and we talked about this uh, I think a little bit from um, our series of. From two, right? Where you're talking about um, the, the becoming a member of a church isn't about necessarily what you get out of the process, right? Um, it's about what you're willing to give, mm-hmm. and you're really making that decision to go from somebody that's uh, maybe taking or consuming, mm. consuming to contributing to contributing, right? And so the membership, a lot of people get that you know, kind of mixed up and, and memberships about, oh, I, you know, I get this and I get that or, you know, whatever. But it's really about you making a commitment to give these things, your prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness to the church and externally, right? Um, so I think that's a really big point to kind of call out. Um, now, you know, the witness portion, I think, is fascinating. Um, and you, you kind of talk about it a little bit um but normally when you when you hear the word witness right you think of you think of somebody standing on a corner with a sign mm. saying you know repent yep. you know kind of witnessing right or like or or out preaching you know on the streets or something like that but it's a, well, it's a little bit I deeper think of, i think of personal uh more um uh, interpersonal relationship communication i think of it as more your willingness to um, to personally stand behind your faith and then to share it and not, and maybe even as simple as not being ashamed of your faith. And, you know, I think when we're talking students, um, you know, that's, that's even, um, just owning, um, their Christian faith and, and not brushing it aside, but saying, oh yeah, 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 I'd go. Yeah, I go to church. Oh, yeah, I go to the church over there. Yeah, mm-hmm. every Sunday, you know. Um, even sharing that with with other kids who don't can be a big step. It's hard. Um, Absolutely. You know, keeping all the names out of it. But I was walking along. I haven't told you this story yet. I'm walking along between two baseball fields um, earlier um, last week, and there's there's a team warming up, um, and another kid walking along and uh the one of the kids on the field warming up said hey 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 and waved real big you know to the kid on a different team that was walking along he was like hey and waved back and then the kid warming up that initiated the conversation he's playing catch and i hear him out of the i uh hear what he the other guy's playing catch with him you know his teammate says who was that and he said a kid from bible study and the other kid playing catch said bible study since when do you go to Bible study? <laughs> right? Like yep. that was the... Yep. It was it, an open for conversation. Right? It was way. an open for conversation, but just the 
the sharpness with which the other student, you know, I could, the, you know, and I was really proud of that. You know, I'm walking away, not, yeah. it wasn't like I lingered to hear the full conversation, but, you know, Bible study, since when do you go to Bible, right? Like, right. like that's, that's a hard, that's, that's a hard uh, conversation to navigate as at 12 years old. To, Absolutely. To, you know, and he said, you know, like I said, I picked it up just bits and pieces of it walking away. It's like, Oh yeah, for a while it's cool. Like you know, he just. But even to own that, you know, he could either move my parents make me or right. Yep. But yep. anyway, fascinating little tidbits that you pick up from folks. But I think that right there is um, a very real sharing of witness. Yeah. Yep. Well, I would say it goes beyond words too, right? Like, it's sometimes it's just your actions. You know, you just just being. You know, uh, I don't want to say a good person, but just in your actions, right, and and really trying to do the right things in all situations, um, and and then you know having that conversation that pops up of like, hey, you know, why why do you why do you do this? Why are you like this? Right, and then being able to have that conversation in the moment, right? That I think that's also tough tough to do as a as a kid or youth. Um, you know, cause you got friends and, and people trying to steer you mm-hmm. to do things you probably shouldn't do that we all probably did as kids. And, or even like in the corporate world or something like coming out of a meeting and you're, you know, like, Hey man, why didn't you just, you know, drop a truth bomb and just, you know, light that up in there. You had all, well, that wasn't the responsible thing to do, or that wasn't the Christian like to say, that wouldn't have been very Christian on me. Yep. Witness is one of those terms that sometimes carries different connotations for us in the church than it does to people outside of the church, too. And it's always it's always fun for me to be reminded that our students are looking at things differently than we are. When we first brought that up in confirmation class, um, I asked them what they thought um, our church meant when we talked about witness. And immediately, uh, TV shows come up, NCIS or um, oh, SVU yeah. or something like that. And they're <laughs> yeah. thinking, you know, the witnesses that get called in for something like that. And one of our students said something to the effect of, well, a witness is somebody that sees something. So I guess we're supposed to share what we've seen. And, and I love that definition. Um, I think that an important question for us to think about as Christians when we talk about our witness is, what difference has Jesus made in my life? Why are things that I do different because of my faith? Mm-hmm. And that that view of our own lives then shapes the witness that we share with other people. How how has my life changed because of my faith in Christ? Um, and that that intentional stepping back or stepping outside of ourselves to look at that is a great opportunity then to share with people on why we react in a boardroom or why we um, why we talk about our faith on on the baseball field or something like that. So good. <laughs> oh, you're fine. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, talking about, uh, you know, again, and diving into a little bit more of, um, you know, the confirmation and membership and, and taking the vows and pra- prayers, presence, gifts, service and witness. You know, we, we kind of talked about um, the service portion of it and the gifts portion of it. Um, and I think I think the gifts um, is actually. Other than other than probably the witnessing gifts is probably the hardest thing for a lot of people because it's finding what your gift is right and so a lot of um, you know a lot of people may 
may try this or try that or or think that you know oh hey I've got to I've got to become a pastor right to to you know spread spread the word of Jesus right but you don't ha- you don't necessarily have to do that right you can you can you can figure out what your gifts are and use those in a way right mm-hmm. so do you guys spend a lot of time with the with the kids on on that I wouldn't say we spend tons of time but we yeah. do we do make sure that that is something that's covered in depth I think. I won't speak for anybody else, but sometimes I tend to over-spiritualize this idea of um, gifts of the Spirit. You know, there are different lists that we could look at in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul gives, but and, and those are important gifts. I don't want to discount that. But one of the things that I mentioned to our students is that oftentimes the gifts that we have are passions or skills that, that are innate within us, that God has mm-hmm. given us. Um, and things that we enjoy, things mm-hmm. that we're good at, things that we could just spend hours doing without realizing how much time has gone by. Um, I, I give the students an example of somebody from a previous church that was a wonderful cook and just had this passion for making great meals um, and, and realized that that was a gift that she had that could be shared with other people. And so um, she started um, a kind of series of classes to help teach people how to cook nutritious and healthy uh, meals with rice and beans and how to um, put together family uh, portioned meals on a budget that way. So this gift of cooking that she had, this passion that God had born within her, um, was was a tool that she could then use to share her faith with other people in amazing ways. Um, that's not to discount, you know, some of the more spiritual gifts, but I th- sometimes I, I think it's important for me for our students to realize that gifts aren't just churchy things. It's yeah. things that they're already doing that they're good at that then they may put through a different lens um, and look at that as a way to share their faith with other people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And being, and I think I think what you're opening up, what you're opening up for a lot of these students too, and a lot of listeners and um, you know other folks within the congregation. Uh, when you preach, Dustin, is this concept of, um, you know, our Christianity compared to compared to Christ? Aren't we all infantile in our developing Christ likeness? Yep. So we all have these. Um, we could all take something away from every lesson, whether we're watching a, a new baptism and being reminded of vows and. Uh, we took a maiden our baptism, or uh, participating in a confirmation service, and uh, being inspired by uh, the the growth and um, development these students are making in that right direction. And uh, I think it's um, I think it's important for us to note that every time we you know participate in or witness a confirmation um, of of students, we we can take it on ourselves to make more steps in our own faith development uh, to keep that to keep that growth keep yep. that growth mindset uh, and moving forward. So. Yeah, to to echo that back and to build upon that a little bit, as part of our membership vows with the church, oftentimes we think of the people that are joining the church as the ones standing up front professing their faith in Christ, mm-hmm. and that certainly is part of it. But I love that within the United Methodist Church, part of the membership vows are the congregation responding back to those people that are joining, mm-hmm. saying, hey, we too are remembering what we have committed to. We too, on this day, are committing to help continue to support and help you as you grow just the same way that, that I help um, you in, in reciprocity there. And so I love that it's it's a it's a two-part thing. That isn't yeah. just the person standing up front, but it's the entire congregation. And I love it, too. Well. I have a hard time navigating some of this stuff with our historical Methodist 
roots mm-hmm. and the history of things and how it's all gone along because I fully understand not fully understand like Dustin does. No, <laughs> take, take that back. I have a general I have a general idea and concept. Is that better? <laughs> I have a general idea and concept of the history and where it came from and the circuit riding um, and the small rural churches and how all that works so that I recognize whenever you had um, maybe you had someone um, small rural church, three families, 15 people um, and and someone new, uh, homesteading in the area and then comes and joins that little circle, that class meeting that's getting together yep. every three, you know, and then at once a month, the circuit rider shows up and then, and then that person's, um, learned and understood, um, through the teachers and leaders there in the group. And then they take a vow of membership and become a member. And then everyone else in the room, you know, the other 15 people, have already done that. They're mm-hmm. already members, right? And then when you scale that up to a service like like we have here with a couple hundred people in attendance, um, often often we run we we will welcome folks into membership and ask a congregational response of which there could be first time attendees, yep. first time guests just rolling up in there um, as the congregation. So I you know yeah I we. Often I appreciate the history and then sometimes um, find find myself wondering how to interest it, how to navigate those interesting situations created by um, where the where the church is now in, yep. in, in, in every, 2023. In everything that we do as a church, we have to have a multifaceted focus in that we're helping people who are already within the church grow and develop in their faith, but also providing that opportunity for those that are brand new to to onboard and to be a part of that and not feel like they're an outsider yeah. because they don't know the right language or they don't know the... So the, providing context. I'm always yep. I'm always wondering about, um, which Justin, you help with, because I think context is one of your uh, top strengths, isn't it? It's it up is. there somewhere. It is, yeah. It is in the top five, so... So it's it's a struggle for me to be intentional about, yep, all that, all the time. But you're pretty on top of it. That's why I know random facts about. Got to have the con- has kind of to have the context. One one of the things I wanted to mention as part of that in in talking about the congregation supporting those that are joining the church for the first time. It's one thing just to say that, but if there's not relationships that are um, already there to a degree and continuing to be built afterwards, that's not going to happen. So one of the other things I have our confirmation students do, in addition to being in the confirmation class, they, during confirmation, have to be involved in some other small group within our church. Maybe that's our impact programming on Sunday Mm -hmm. nights with their peers. Maybe that's one of our adult small groups. Maybe that's some kind of service group that they've not been a part of before. But it's in those places that those relationships are built so that they our confirmands and our adult members can support each other because there's actually yeah. interaction. And my hope is then that those relationships continue after the confirmation experience is over, that they've gotten plugged in in different aspects of our church's ministry um, so that that will continue after they join the church as well. Well, awesome. Hey, the yeah. sands of time are running just, out just, on us. Just a little bit Just left. a little bit up and, there and, 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 gone. and gone. So, uh Want to thank Dustin for being here with us yeah, thanks, and um, intellectually showing us up, and also it'll never be I'm the same after this. It'll never, it'll never, never be, be the same. same. Um, and thanks, Keith, for uh, driving the conversation and queuing up Dustin with all to for 
for him to do knowledge drops on us. Um, and hopefully everyone had the opportunity to learn more about um, some of our Methodist roots and the roots of confirmation and uh, some of the stuff our students our students have learned. So, um, so if you got students coming along, um, they can look forward to uh, opportunity to join confirmation in the future. Yeah. Yep. Our sixth through sixth grade through um, seniors meet every Sunday night from four thirty to six here at the church for our regular impact youth gatherings, and you're always welcome. They have a great time. I've taken them up on the invitation. All right. I enjoy it. Sounds good. Have a good one. Later. Deuces. Adios.